Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter Paige Peck-Baumert. Hi Paige. Hello. Paige, today we are going to talk about understanding emotions and other feely things that happen within us. You have feely things, right, Paige? I love feely things. Feely things. We're not talking about being a touchy-feely today, just so you know. We are, I know, that's kind of a fun... Uh, we're we're not going to talk about being a touchy feely and and those <laughs> kinds of boundaries, but but we are going to talk about some other boundaries and what to do with our feelings and our emotions and how to know what you know what do you share, what do you don't share, what's healthy to share, what's not healthy to share. People want to know. In fact, I think if there's you know a question that I get asked online the most, this might be one of the ones that I get asked online the most. Anyway, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's going to be really fantastic. We're going to share some understanding of emotions and feelings and how it relates to self-government. And then we're going to also talk about what you can do to really be emotionally strong. So that's going to be fun. But first, before we do that, Paige, do you have a fun family activity that people can focus on for this week? Yes. So... The fun family activity for this week is reading a story as a family. And this is actually something that Joseph and I have uh, started doing. He actually loves reading out loud. And so we like to find stories that we, we want to read. And then he reads out loud to me while I do something, whether it be, you know, like crocheting or making a project or something. But uh, we love it. So and Joseph I, is the husband. Yeah, sorry. Joseph is my husband. Yes. <laughs> In case you're unaware of that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, jo- Joseph's dad read to him and his wife, and it's like a family tradition in their family, right? So yeah. he does the same. Yeah, and he loves it. It's a great kind of bonding experience for us. I shouldn't say con. You shouldn't say kinda. I mean, it It really is. is, Yeah, it's a wonderful bonding experience. This is why it's such a great activity. Not only does it increase literacy, increase the interest in books and study and all that kind of stuff, but it gives the family a shared thing to talk about. Mm -hmm. It's so fun. It opens the door to discussion of important things, which is fantastic. Our family has a history also of reading out loud. In fact, I have read out loud to my children until they leave the home and I've got one left at at home and I still read out loud to him. Still stories and we still discuss together and it is so much fun. So Paige, how about we list a few of our favorite stories? What are some stories that you remember really enjoying? Um, One of my favorites that I enjoyed was a book called The Trumpet of the Swan that was written by E.B. White and actually her whole collection is really good. So Trumpet of the Swan, you've got Charlotte's Web, Stuart Little. Yeah, Stuart Little. So Mm -hmm. a lot of classic stories, even some that have, you know, been turned into movies, but the books are always better. Yeah, I think we almost like Trumpet of the Swan the most because I don't think there's a movie of that one. Yeah. But it but also, the swan has such a fun personality. Yeah. And it's like the story from the swan's perspective. And 
it's it's really really fun it's like it's like the huge expanded intensified version of the of the ugly duckling right yeah kind of a lot of her books are really fun another a series that we loved was actually the Great Brain series. It's a story about, you know, a set of brothers and their family and kind of the ventures that they go through and uh, how they deal with it and just, you know, kind of some of the, the schemes that young boys do, you know, and it's oh, schemes, tons of schemes. Yeah, but they're so fun. I remember even as I got a little older, I read that whole series multiple times. And each book is, you know, not very big, but so fun i love that fun one. to read yeah in fact there are a lot of really you know treasure some books that you can just sit down you know maybe a couple of days and you can knock out a book you know like the sign of the beaver the whipping boy 10 and 20 um you know some of these little books they're so great we they read the little house of the there. prairie series that one was fun that um, was really fun we read um a we read all of the Little Maid series. And the Minutemen. Yeah, the Minutemen series. We read um, Caddy Woodlawn, Laddie. The Bronze um, Bow. Oh, the Bronze Bow. That one is incredible. We usually read it every year right around Christmas time. It's not a Christmas story, but it does involve Christ. And a uh, really incredible story, that one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. All the little britches books. Yeah. Um, Door in the Wall. That one's a treasure. Um, also, we read uh, like Snow Treasure. Speaking of treasures. And Treasures uh, of the Snow. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> two different stories. <laughs> yeah, two different stories. And um, Auto of the Silver Hand. Mm. And. Um, Oh, just, and then some of your classic favorites, you know, like Secret Garden, The Little Princess, The Little Prince. Um, oh, you know what ones were really fun? We loved those ones by George MacDonald, um, The Princess and the Goblin and oh, The Princess Purdy. Yeah. yeah, those ones are really fun ones to read too. There's just so many great books. There's a list to start you with. If you want to read some fun read alouds as a family, those are great. Don't worry about biographies. Once you get going on reading aloud as a family, biographies can be a lot of fun. We've read Gandhi's biography, George mm-hmm. Washington biography. Well, because sometimes um, like a all lot kinds, of so many biographies. With stories of you know people's lives and so it's Mm -hmm. and I remember I think it was because we started reading books that I was interested in stories about your life and about dad's life and I would want those for you know bedtime stories Mm, true like tell me about your life you know I want to hear about what happened what you did as a teenager all the stupid things you did you know and I don't know it's I think reading aloud really helped to foster that uh, love of family history and just of history in general and a good story mm-hmm. yeah that's true that, that's a good point because we've read family history stories too mm-hmm. not only have I told my own personal stories but we have collected family history stories and mm-hmm. even read family history stories and and you know those biographies they teach amazing things I mean I'm just thinking of like the hiding place oh yeah what an incredible book a World Corey War II Boom, book. Yeah, yeah Corey Tenboom's life. Uh, I'd take that one over 
the Diary of Anne Frank any oh, day, yeah. even oh, though I yeah. like Diary of Anne Frank, it's okay, but it's like kind of boring compared to <laughs> Corey yeah, Corrington Boom wrote it, but she wrote it in story format about her life. Yeah, and she made it out, which was nice too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she didn't well, die. Yeah, which is also a really good thing. Anyway, but uh, just a really inspiring lady. And there's just so many great books. In fact, look for the ones that will change your heart for the better. I think that's how you pick a good book. Okay, we could have done a whole podcast on <laughs> family. Clearly, we need to leave our little fun family activity and move on to our main point of this whole podcast, which is understanding emotions and other feely things. Now, everything that we talk about here on the Teaching Self-Government podcast, we look at through the lens of self-government. So what that means is we say okay well how can we understand this issue this problem this principle this concept by also factoring in what it means to govern yourself so self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them so Paige let's start out talking about um, when you self-govern yourself, do you see yourself as, um, as, you know, being really emotional? Like when you think of emotions and you put self-government in the mix, um, what do you usually think of in relation to emotions? Well, self-government means being in control of yourself and your emotions. So I wouldn't say that a self-governed person necessarily has to show a lot of emotion. Um, but a lot of it is, um, cause like we, you know, normal or normal people, we still have feelings and emotions, um, which we'll get to in a little bit too. Um, but it's, it's about being able to talk about the things you're feeling with words in a calm way and not, emotionally vomiting all over people okay so what you're saying is is that is that there is an element of do I want to just emotionally unload on everybody all the time do I even want that for myself and oftentimes the answer is no now because and I, and I noticed you were struggling to try to like like how do I explain this communicate I know it's like okay well I know how we live and I know that we still <laughs> have emotions and I know that we still talk about our emotions and our feelings but I also know we don't let them control us right and mm-hmm, so like, it's mm-hmm. hard to put it all into a really quick brief description and I think that's why there's been some misunderstanding so there has been a lot of misunderstanding I can't even emphasize that en- enough there has been a lot of misunderstanding from people who've been studying self-government or who are introduced to the teaching self-government model, that many of them think there's no room for emotions or in, in the teaching or self-government on the program. flip side, they think, well, I mean, not in the teaching self-government program, but on the flip side, a lot of people think, well, that's all there is. Just let your emotions take control. And that's, what's right. Right. Oh, okay. Well, so that's what people think should happen. Mm-hmm. Many people think that's what should happen. So they think that then teaching self-government would just suppress 
emotions or bottle up emotions or allow people not to share emotions. And so people usually, I, I get a criticism and the criticism is, well, you know, you must not care about people's emotions. And I think, oh my, that is not true. And that's not the message I'm trying to present. However, I don't spend my time. I don't spend tons of time. I will say this because explaining the skills and the program and how to get the family on the same page and how to control yourself takes up such a big piece of my time and the teaching that we focus on to help the children so that they're not having tantrums and all this kind of stuff all the time. The emotions don't get a ton of the microphone time. I, I will say that, you know, right. I don't spend my greatest time there, but, but so that's why I want to talk about them right here. In fact, I'm going to talk about them in great detail on February 19th, 2021. This is a Friday, February 19th watch for an event to pop up on the website, sign up for it. It's going to be like a three hour event that's going to happen that day. And I'm going to spend the whole three hours talking about and teaching about emotions and how to understand them and work with them and nurture the feelings that need to be there in our relationships and really how emotions and relationships are so vital to being a self-governed person. So, um, so this is going to, I mean, I'm going to talk about some here too, but I just want you to know we get three hours of it on February 19th, 2021. And I'm saying the year because you never know how long this thing will stay out there. Anyways. <laughs> um, so sorry to be annoying by saying the year that's coming up. Okay. So uh, so yeah, there can, there can be some misunderstanding. I think because emotions are so personal to people, I mean, we communicate emotionally, you know, there's ethos, right? Which is the emotional ethos, pathos, logos. These are the three different ways to persuade someone mm -hmm. to communicate with someone, either with logic, with your, um, your emotions, right? So there's different things that we do to try to make connections with other people. And, um, and the, did I say ethos? I probably meant pathos because pathos is actually the emotional one. I yeah, said, there you go. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I just, I said that wrong. So let's go ahead and correct that anyway. So, um, but that's one of them. So we have to be able to connect with people emotionally mm -hmm. and bond with people emotionally. But I think the biggest question is, where is the line between bonding emotionally and then abusing someone emotionally or mistreating someone, using someone, um, making communications uncomfortable and all of a sudden not productive too, mm -hmm. right? Because there is a line there. And, and usually I deal with one side of that line when I'm talking with people about self-government. I say, okay, well, you know, when, when you want someone to understand you, this is how you do it in a way. So you're not going to lose control. And I think, I think the biggest difference between that is your motive behind what you're saying. So you can say the exact same thing, but you can say it for a selfish reason, or you can say it because you truly want to be on the same level as someone else, or you want to have a connection with someone else, or you want to help someone else understand like not for selfish purposes so you know I could 
sit down and talk with someone about like, you know, they didn't do the dishes. They're like, hey, you didn't do the dishes. Um, I'm not okay with that. You know, uh, and this is why, because it inhibits my night, this, that, and the other. Or I could say, hey, you didn't do the dishes. And, you know, I asked you to do the dishes and that was an instruction. And so, you know, you're not following instructions, which affects the family in this way, you know? And so you can talk about things in a way that like when you care about someone else and their progression and their growth, it's, it comes across way better instead, instead of when you're talking about just because it affects you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I love that in your first example, you were like actually shaking your head like an attitude. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, see, so yeah, listeners can't see that. Yeah, but <laughs> that might be emotion. Like, oh, don't you dare talk to me. Oh, yeah, you may think you're so busy, but look at my life, you know, or whatever. So this is that's sure I'm letting out some emotion. It's called attitude, mm-hmm. it's trying to put someone in their place. It's disconnection. That emotion of attitude problem is a disconnecting emotion. Well, because connection so is a two-way thing. Productive. It's it's between two people. So if you're just trying to shove something at someone instead of looking for the right place to put it where it will actually stay, mm-hmm. then there's not going to be a real connection there. So a person who is emotionally strong recognizes so this is an emotionally intelligent person okay recognizes that some emotions disconnect and some emotions connect Mm -hmm. okay and so we want to definitely have those beautiful emotionally connective times the times where you cuddle before bed and I love you and you talk about all the great things and maybe even the times when you cry because you've had a big disappointment or, you know, or something as bad has happened and you need to shed a little tear. And okay, these are connective moments, mm-hmm. the moments where you are unleashing whatever on somebody else or you're trying to show dominance your power struggling with the person all that kind of stuff those are disconnecting emotions and they hurt relationships and they don't allow somebody to fully assess what's really going on with you so there is a quote by George Bernard Shaw page. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. In fact, you actually wrote it at the beginning of chapter 16 of your book. Right. So if you look in Parenting a House United, if you happen to have that book, chapter 16, George Bernard Shaw has this great quote. Read it for us, Paige. Okay. He says, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Mm, what does that mean to you? That means... The biggest problem with communication is people assume that even if they haven't necessarily said anything, their emotions have conveyed their message. Mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, someone is having a tantrum or someone is acting passive aggressively. People assume that those things are going to be noticed and um, understood, which is why <laughs> I feel like sometimes uh, husbands are like, oh my gosh, my wife. I can't understand the woman, 
you know, she like <laughs> she because has all these feelings. Notoriously, women are more emotional than men, although it's yeah. not always true. It's not always true, but yeah. Yeah, and so it's funny. My husband Joseph, he'll even talk talk to me sometimes because you know, like my communication skills are pretty good, and they're not always mm-hmm. perfect. No one's really is. Anyway, but he'll be like, "Okay, tell me exactly what you're wanting to tell me," and then I can probably understand. Like, don't just walk away or don't, like, just tell me. (laughs) I'm like, oh, yeah, I should do that, huh? (laughs) Oh, wait, I thought I was telling you. I'm like, oh, you didn't understand that this comment meant this? (laughs) Well, here's the other thing is that everyone displays emotion in a different way, like frustration. There's, like, how many different ways a person can, can show frustration, there's so many different ways, right? And, and but even if you do show frustration, well, what are you really frustrated in? The person, the situation, yourself, right. because you can't handle it? Like, what are you, you know? It's what are you frustrated to, about? It's hard to know. So, um, so this is, this is when we get into trouble, okay? Well, with our emotions. And like younger children, especially when they haven't quite learned to like talk and stuff, it's the same thing. They get very emotional. So children are very emotional. They they have to be because they don't have the words, just like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And it's the oldest part of the brain that has all those chemicals and wirings for the emotions and stuff. But they give a cue or a signal to the parent. And then the parent goes, oh, something's wrong. And so the, it's this sign. Are they upset? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, but see, then the parent has to figure it out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the parent can look at the clock and go, well, let's see, they ate, they ate about four hours ago, so they're probably hungry, right? Mm-hmm. So the parent has to put the pieces together and try to solve the problem because the child's emotions have come out. Well, right. the thing is, is it's not just that way for babies. No, it's that way for for everybody. (laughs) If my husband comes in and he's like, and he doesn't say anything and he passes me by and goes and does something else. I'm like, okay, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) So then I have to either try to assume a whole bunch of pieces and try to figure it out and then make my own judgment call, which will probably lead to my own emotional issues or... I decide to be emotionally strong and help him be emotionally strong. And I go to him and say, so I've noticed that you seem to be a little out of sorts. This is the type of behavior I saw. So something's wrong. What's going on? Let's talk about it. This is a self-governed thing to do. Mm -hmm. Instead of staying in that pit where you're just wallowing in, in your, you know, your feelings and not sharing and trying to, you know, problem solve in a maybe passive aggressive way or something. Instead, you just stop, you analyze it. Analyze is a key principle to self-government. You can't self-govern without assessment, honest assessment, which means you have to be willing to talk about those feelings and those emotions. I think that, yeah, that assessment, you know, that distinction between, okay, what is an emotion and what is a feeling? So one of my favorite ways to kind of distinguish between that is like, okay, I feel hungry. Like my stomach is, you know, legitimately telling me I am hungry, but an emotion is hangry. Now I'm angry because I'm hungry. Yeah. So the feeling is a real thing that's going on. You're hungry. Uh Uh-huh. Someone could feel bored. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
But because of being bored, they could start negative attention seeking and having emotional outbursts and whining to their family. Mm -hmm. That's the emotion. The feeling was, I feel bored. Yep. Or you could feel that you're not understood. You could think, I don't feel understood. I don't feel like they get it. But if I start then just having an attitude problem or yelling or hitting or tantruming, all of that is an emotional outburst. Yeah. And so you can you can have feelings, but self-government is being able to control how you deal with those feelings. Yeah. Yep. How you communicate those feelings. Yeah. So it's okay to talk about your feelings. It's okay to talk about your emotions. These are all healthy things. And just to make this a hundred percent clear, I'm going to give it a little space. It is self-governed to discuss feelings and emotions. So please do not misunderstand (laughs) self-government just because we use skills and we teach our children to keep a calm face, voice, and body when we give them an instruction or keep a calm face, voice, and body when we give them a no answer does not mean that they may not have feelings or emotions or that that we're disregarding them. Yeah. It doesn't, it's that we're just teaching them how to just be okay, carry on, be strong, and not have to get sucked into an emotional place every single time they have a feeling. Yeah. But if they want to talk about their feelings, or if we feel like we need to talk about their feelings, we can ask them questions or they can disagree appropriately. Mm-hmm. We can always discuss the feelings in a calm and appropriate way. See, now that's the biggest thing is feelings are when you talk about feelings in a way where everyone knows how you're going to understand. So that's that disagree appropriately skill that we teach to parents and children. This skill helps everyone know this is how we're going to feel understood. So it conquers that problem. Or if I feel worried about being able to do a chore, like I don't know how, and mom told me to do it, that disagree appropriately skill is a way for me to express the worry I might have. Instead of crying and whining. Problem solve it with mom. Yeah. Or avoiding it altogether. The time for us to discuss it. And then when we have parent counseling sessions, which are the one-on-one parent meetings about a certain issue, this is the time where we can just discuss all this this problem that we, or these feelings that we have and, and come up with a solution. And, and in our family meetings and in our mentor meetings and in our couples meetings, we're going to be discussing how the family feels, how the couple feels, how the individual feels. We're going to be discussing all of those things and making plans for the best successful path for everybody to take. So mm-hmm. we're not sweeping feelings under a rug. We're not telling people to bottle them up. We're no, saying, in fact, I think, I think we're actually very in tune with feelings, but we teach people ways to convey them in a way that doesn't cloud judgment or understanding. Yeah. That is empowering actually, Mm -hmm. because when you really are understood and you have a really good productive conversation about your feelings, that's empowering. That's a, that's a big thing, right? So feelings actually prompt us that there's a problem that needs to be solved. That doesn't mean we have to have an emotional meltdown or that it has to be solved right then. Yeah. Or that it even, that's true because there's no time limit. Well, occasionally there might be a time limit, but usually (laughs) there's not a time limit attached to that particular feeling being resolved. Right. When you're a baby, you think it is, but uh, you don't know. (laughs) 
But like when a child comes to you crying and whining or maybe a full out tantrum, you think, okay, there's a problem here, obviously, but we need to get the child calmed down first. And sometimes that can take, well, hopefully it doesn't take too long, but for some families who don't have these skills, that can take a hot minute. And so it could be that maybe you don't talk about the problem until the next day. And you say, do you remember when you came to mom and you were crying about this thing? And, you know, we didn't necessarily talk about it. Let's, you know, we're both calm now and I want to talk about it and we can figure out a way to handle it better next time. Mm-hmm. I love that. So when, then, then you're really at a place where you can look at what happened almost from a third person perspective, because it happened a while ago and you can say, okay. I remember that now I can assess my feelings and my emotions and decide the better way to mm-hmm. handle my problem. And I think forward. it also shows your children or whoever you're doing it with that you actually do care about their problem and that maybe what they perceived as you just pushing it aside before um, you're coming back to it and saying, you know, I really do care about this issue that you're going through. Let's talk mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. And that's important. They do need to know that. There are some misconceptions out there, okay, about feelings and about emotions. And I feel like it's important for us to come up with, to, to talk about these misconceptions, not the ones that, the misconceptions about TSG and how we feel about emotions and feelings. I hope you have a clear picture on that. Um, in fact, before we talk about these other misconceptions that really do get in the way of people being healthy emotionally, um, I do think that it's, it's really important for us to point out that when a person is dumping their emotions out on other people, when they're emotionally vomiting on somebody else and not choosing to analyze feelings and analyze what their options are and make a plan, they actually are seeking negative attention at that time. So this is really important. And when a parent power struggles with a child or with a spouse or something like that, because one person vomited emotions. And so then they come in to start power struggling. Then both of them at that time are seeking to dominate and they think they're seeking to be understood. Like that's what they're hoping for, Mm -hmm. but it never works for that. In fact, we're going to do a whole podcast just on seeking to understand and what that really means to seek to understand another person, because that is not seeking to understand is not making sure you push through until a person acknowledges, you know, what you're trying to get across to them emotionally. And it never works. Just like George Bernard Shaw said in his quote, it never works. So, um, So let's talk about some of these ideas that are out there socially about emotions. The dialogue on emotions has drastically changed. Oh my goodness. I'd say drastically. I'd say the most common is, you know, emotions are everything. So follow them. Yeah. This is like one of the great untruths, right? That you must follow your emotions and follow your feelings. If you have a feeling, you have to follow it. You have to give it an audience. You have to do something about it. You have to share it with other people. You have to be emotional. Um, You've got to deeply, deeply invest in it instead of just go, wait a minute, what's that? 
Uh, why do I feel that? Do I feel that because I got excited by a song, excited by something on the news? Do I feel that because um, I need something? Do I feel that because I am missing something, an, an important piece that I need? I was reading um, a news article just on one of the feeds, I, one of the news outlets that I read that is definitely not one of the main news outlets because I don't <laughs> like those. I don't feel like I get the, the fair shake, uh, the truthful mm-hmm. shake. Anyway, so I was reading a, a news outlet and, um, and I was looking at, this was just the other day, and I was looking at one of the the articles on there and I was ah it got me so like impassioned right and and it wasn't even supposed to do that but I was like ah that is so right and there is such a a a wrong that is being committed right Mm -hmm. and I felt like immediately I felt at that minute like I just needed to push this message out on social media everywhere. Like they didn't even say to do that, but I immediately felt called to action because I felt like I had read something that was the truth. Okay. So I was emotionally charged. Okay. And as soon as I felt that, and I started thinking that I was like, wait a minute, Nicolene, like that, you don't do that. (laughs) You're not the kind of person that just goes and pushes every new thought that pops into your head out on social media. Yeah. Um, You actually think about it and this, you know, and, and, and what good would it really do? Like, is it going to, is this one going to really help? Is it worth it? You know? So then I started analyzing it, thinking about it, and then deciding whether this one was going to be something I was going to share or not. And I ended up not, but I guess what I'm saying is, is that I had to engage a different part of myself. If I would have just thought, oh, follow my feelings. I had a feeling about this. I'm very passionate. Passionate. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm just going to go throw it in everybody's face. (laughs) Sounds really popular. That happens a lot nowadays. And I'm not saying, you know, people can do, but that's people. Do they realize they're just following their feelings at that point? They're following their emotions. And, and maybe they feel inspired, you know, cause I was like, am I being inspired? I like actually had to ask myself, am I being inspired or do I just feel the truth of this message so much that I wish everybody else knew it, but then I, I have to decide, is this the time and is my social media platform the place? Yeah. And maybe sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes the answer is no. But the thing is, is I do recognize that feeling And then I stop myself and I think about it. I analyze it before I just go, oh, cute picture, share, you know, like, or whatever. Like I actually go, but wait a minute, that might be funny, but does it match my principles? Yeah. What is that? Am I going to really share it? Even if I got a little giggle out of it, Mm -hmm. does that mean I want to share it or, and now I know that sounds like a lot more analysis than maybe some people want to do. And that's fine. It really isn't all that much. Like, especially if you do it a lot and you analyze every aspect of your life like you should anyway i mean obviously don't overthink things a lot of people overthink things but it really doesn't take that much time it's sometimes an extra 30 seconds sometimes less sometimes a little more yeah no it really does it's just that we're not in the habit of doing it right so you have to create a habit uh, to analyze and to Mm -hmm. think things through and to really go wait where's that coming from what is it but I have created a habit for myself so that's how I usually don't get into emotional problems is by going wait a second I have a feeling why do I have this feeling and what am I going to do with it do I need to share it with anybody or don't I yeah well and another misconception those things it's going to be fleeting and it's fine yeah 
And another misconception about feelings is that they have to be communicated through emotions. Mm. Yeah. They, it's otherwise, like they, otherwise you won't be heard. Right. Right. Oh, that if, and that if you don't let yourself emotionally throw up on everybody else, that, that for some reason you are now stifled, you're bottled up, you are essentially being silenced because you are not letting it out. Mm-hmm. So that's when you know somebody has really invested a lot of energy into their emotional responses. So they feel like their emotional responses are one of the things that makes them right, that makes them human, that makes them, you know, of course they are part of being human, but that's not the thing that makes you a human. If anything, it's one of your stumbling blocks. I mean, it's also a way you can bond. Like we said, they can bond or they can disconnect, connect or disconnect. Um, But a lot of people feel like they're not being truthful with who they even are, that they're somehow not genuine if they don't let out every emotion that they have. Mm -hmm. So I know a guy who went through a divorce and uh, he told me that one of the biggest criticisms that his wife had of him was that he wasn't emotional enough that he didn't he didn't get angry that he so didn't did you feel like you know, he just like didn't have emotions or like wasn't emotionally invested well i think that she was angry she would get angry and so i think she was thinking because he didn't get angry with her and fight with her that he didn't care as much. I also think this is a really common tactic for a person who manipulates with emotions. They want everybody else to get emotional too, because that makes the manipulation easier. Well, and it helps them to control everyone else's emotions as well. Exactly. Because then you just dive into a power struggle because that's the definition of a power struggle is two people having a little emotional display. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's like the ant- the antlers on the deer, like, well, mine are bigger, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's kind of like that. And, and he, this guy would not fight with his wife that way. He really respected her and he wanted to understand her. And he was like, okay, so let me just understand what's going on. So this is what you're feeling. This is where you're at. But she criticized him because she's like, you are not showing your emotions. But he was showing an emotion. It just wasn't the one she wanted. It was he was showing care. Okay. Yeah, it's true. Caring, loving, respecting, wanting to understand. Yeah, calmness. I mean, he was there for her, but she hated it. Well, because she was trying to get a reaction out of him to and it didn't work. her feel on top yeah she wanted to win with an emotion not a calm conversation mm-hmm. so it was a problem anyway and really this was through their whole married life this was one of the biggest problems that they had hmm. uh you know the, at least what 
he said was voiced to him, you know, from her that that was a big problem. And what a strange thing um, that, that that type of respect and caring and those types of feelings, those deep feelings that he had that made him say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to dump anything emotionally at her. She's dealing with enough. I am going to be, you know, understanding and help her through this. That was very caring of him and understanding and considerate. Yeah. And instead um, she took know, that he as was a, a, an he's attack for it well yeah. because she's bought into some really common philosophies and these are just ideologies uh theories that have been presented in recent years in fact i am not sure if there has been another time period in history maybe around the time that rome fell i don't know there were people were pretty um emotional at that time i'm sure there's been other periods in, in history and in different civilizations where this emotional you know, pendulum swing has gone just way too far, but we are at this place on, on say the emotional pendulum where we are, we are at a position where we are praising and exonerating the people who show the most emotion, who bully others, who, I mean, as much as we say we hate bullying, it's like totally praised all over yeah, the place. Yeah, which is very counterproductive for solving issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, we, we think this is, this is the message. The message is follow your feelings. And if you don't, if you don't act out emotionally, then you must be lying you're not your true self or that you don't care. Yeah. You don't care. Or you're manipulating me. You won't really (laughs) listen to me. You won't really talk to me. You're manipulating me. Mm. This is another very common misconception, you know, or you're not your real self. You're not genuine. You're not true to the, which is actually a double standard. Yeah, exactly. This is totally ironic because the person who's being calm is saying, who is the real me? Is the real me this out of control version that could come out? No, I'm not going to be that. I'm choosing to be the real me. And then they're saying, that's not the real you because they want the real them to be the version that looks like a monster, you know? Right. Anyway. And so, ah, there's just all these things these ideas that are presented out there that give people so much confusion in the conversation about emotions and so parents are then very concerned that their children don't feel emotionally stifled that their children feel understood and so then the parents are oftentimes allowing the children to do a lot of negative attention seeking behaviors like yelling, pouting, whining, talking back. Because their emotions of- need to be heard. Exactly. Because the parents feel like that they have to do that in order for the child to be heard. Instead of realizing that the child can actually show respect to parents, be in control and still have a conversation about emotions and feelings and can still be completely understood. In fact, that child can feel stronger. They can feel like they have full range with their emotions. Sure, if I want to act out an attitude problem, I can do it, but I don't have to. Yeah. And so this is real empowerment when it comes to our feelings and our emotions. And, and we do our children a disservice by requiring them to emotionally vomit to get our attention all the time. We should be giving attention without requiring emotional vomit to occur. Yeah, it's true. I remember there was, there um, were a few times where 
I felt like, you know, there's, there's an injustice in the family and I didn't communicate effectively or calmly. And, um, I felt like I wasn't understood in what I was trying to convey. And I remember you and dad just, you know, you sat there and you listened for a minute and then you're like, you know what? It seems like you want to tell us something. And, you know, we really do want to know what that is so we can help you. But we're not going to be able to understand anything until you're calm. Mm -hmm. And And then when you get calm, all of a sudden we have a talk and it's like, oh. Yeah. And so, and I, and I found for me when I'm all worked up like that emotionally, it's even harder for me to put my thoughts and feelings into words. Of course it is because you actually have different chemicals surging through your brain. So your, your logical pathways are actually totally blocked down. So you can't think as well when you're being emotional. That's another thing that's really important to understand about emotions. Yeah. Well, and you've noticed even on these podcasts, sometimes it's hard for me to put my thoughts into words normally. So (laughs) (laughs) I stumble a little and, you know, but like when you're all worked up, that's, it's not even possible. And so you just get frustrated. And I know for me, I just get frustrated and I end up just leaving the situation until I can calm down. That hasn't happened in a long time, but, um, but yeah, when it does, when I do allow my emotions to be my communicator, it's not effective because mm-hmm. it's a choice. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people think that those emotions, that style of communication, they, they think it's inevitable that they can't choose it. But there is always a point during situations like that where you choose to let your emotions overcome. In fact, I had one earlier today where um you know I wanted to cuddle with Joseph and he just kind of wanted to be silly anyway and um he walked out of the room and I'm like oh he didn't stay and cuddle and then my brain like there was a split second where I was like are you gonna mope and cry about it are you gonna be okay with it and I decided to mope and cry about it for some reason and he came and found me a few minutes later and he's like you okay like are you playing silly sad or are you actually sad and I'm like I'm actually sad you know he's like oh I'm sorry but like I recognize that moment where my brain where I decided to be emotional about it instead of to be calm about it well I'm glad that you can analyze all of this in fact you're really mentioning many things that you're able to analyze about yourself I am sad that you on purpose chose to mope and I cry. <laughs> I know. I think there are a couple other things involved wait, with I that. Made, but... Wait, I made myself upset. What was I thinking? I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think there's a couple other things involved with that chemically, but that's okay. Well, I mean, okay, so see, there you go. So we do know chemicals factor into our emotions. We do know mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we can make excuses necessarily, but it's a true thing, right? Like you might be hungry, your blood sugar might be low, you might be a female chemical thing, you know, that happens monthly or whatever. There's stuff like that that can occur that can make a difference for your ability to you know, recognize the emotional things and mm-hmm. choose to communicate in a productive way or not and stuff. But I love that you're able to analyze that. See, I think that's the biggest thing, really. When you're a mm-hmm. self-governed person, you have the choice to analyze it. You recognize you made a choice. And if you happen to make the wrong one sometimes, then you go, you know what? I think next time I'm not going to pick that one. I think next time I'm going to pick 
it's okay. And he has a choice to walk away if he wants to. No big deal, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I don't need to take it personal. Like you can tell yourself another truth and everything is better, right? Yeah, and if I am actually like hurt, then I can, you know, go and talk to him about it and say, hey, you know, I actually yeah. wanted to cuddle instead of just play around. Like, can we go cuddle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can always talk about it. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing that's so important to know is that, wait, I don't have to just be silent. I can always talk about it. And I think that's the part in teaching self-government that people misunderstand is they think we're saying that you can't talk about it, that the children always just have to like, just be calm and never say anything. And that it's like a children are to be seen and not heard thing. And that is absolutely (laughs) not true. Not true at all. You know, emotions are a big part of our lives and so are our feelings. They are two different things. Um, Emotions usually build on those feelings like Paige mentioned. And our ability to control ourselves is another key part of being human. We are able to analyze what's going on, how we felt about it, what we we have those abilities. We can make changes. We can align our behaviors with truths that we feel. This is all self-government. And so we do not have to feel trapped by feelings or emotions. And I think that's a huge thing. We're going to talk more about emotions. I'm going to talk a lot more about emotions on February 19th, 2021 at our emotions, the emotions event that I'm going to be doing for teaching self-government. You can find you can find information for that on teachingselfgovernment.com. I'm actually really excited. I'm going to put it on my calendar and plan on attending. I don't know if it's an in-person thing or a virtual thing, but it's definitely going to be virtual because, you know, we're still in COVID time and all that, but it's going to be virtual. So anyone can join from any place in the world. I don't think we have the sign up page yet, but just watch teachingselfgovernment.com and sign up for that. Put it on your calendar. So you make sure you get signed up too. And um, yeah, Paige, happy to have you there. So we will see you then find anything and everything else that you want to about self-governing yourselves at teachingselfgovernment.com. And we'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.